Welcome back to the Lifetime Learner Podcast and our special five-part series on the life cycle of a battery. In this episode, we are looking at the different current and potential uses of batteries and their impact on the environment. Okay, let's jump right in. Now, so far in this series, we have looked at electric vehicles, but uh, there are so many different types of batteries. And I know you know this because there's like double A, triple A, there's like those little tiny ones, there's the big ones, and then there's ones like in your like fossil fuel cars, and then there's like just random, random batteries on Amazon. So, oh, and then obviously the batteries in your phones, you know, always checking the percentage. Yeah, those ones. Let's talk about their lifespan because as you know, those batteries do not last forever. And you probably know this because your phone runs out of, you know, juice all the time and you leave it, you know, you charge it up at night and then it's good in the morning. Well, it doesn't last forever. We're going to go ahead and talk about Tesla. Now, essentially, their batteries are estimated to last 500,000 to 800,000 kilometers over the car's lifetime, which is about like 20 to 30 years, depending on an average traveled car. Now, your phone battery, on the other hand, lasts about three years. And after those three years, your battery can only retain about 80% of its charge. But if you're a social butterfly and are on your phone 24 seven, then those three years are probably one to two years. Now, why is 80% such a key number? It's because if you go to your uh, phone settings and look at battery health, you'll see that, well, if you got a new phone, then it's gonna be 100%, but eventually it's going to be less. And then by the time it hits about 80%, that's what, that's when they are retired and typically that's when you change your phone or in this case, change the battery in your car. So now I have a clip from Undecided by Matt Farrell where he talks about the charge retention in a battery and specifically batteries in electric vehicles. So let's jump in. Lithium ion batteries are happiest when you use them between 30% and 70% state of charge. It's harder on a battery when you drain it to zero and charge it to 100%. So constantly pushing your phone's battery to 100% again and again, as well as leaving it plugged in at 100% for extended periods, will actually accelerate the degradation of the battery. Manufacturers have been implementing battery management systems to help combat this, like the Apple iOS 13 update. The system learns over time when you typically get up in the morning, It will charge your phone to 80% overnight and wait to trickle charge to 100% shortly before you normally get up. Systems like this can help reduce the strain on the battery and improve its lifespan. Most EVs, like the Tesla Model 3, also recommend a daily charging amount. When you plug in your car, the Tesla's UI will show you a recommended range for daily charging, and also make it clear that going above 90% should only be done for longer trips. As soon as you hit 100%, you should be starting your trip immediately. Keeping your daily charging routine below 90% helps maintain good battery health. Here's some results from a study that showed how charging behavior impacts lithium-ion battery longevity. The y-axis represents the total charge capacity available, and the x-axis represents the number of charging cycles. The batteries that charge to 100% and drain down to various states of charge fared worse than the batteries that charge to 75 or 85% before draining them down. To make it very clear, let's compare two data points from the chart. Both of these used 50% of the battery's capacity for each cycle, 
but one charged to 100% and the other charged to 75%. After a thousand charging cycles, the 100% battery was down to just above 90% of the original capacity. Extend that out and the gap widens after thousands of charging cycles. And finally, an EV's battery pack usually has a buffer built into the top end and the low end of the battery. That means the car's battery display of 100% is probably not the actual 100% of the battery. Same for draining it to 0%. There's wiggle room in the battery to maintain the car's electrical systems if the battery is run too low. And the buffer gives the car's battery management system some leeway in estimating the total range of the car. In some cases, you can eat into that buffer slowly over time so the drivable range of the car appears unchanged. It's not clear if Tesla is doing this or by how much, but there may be some wiggle room in there. What this all proves is that you can't equate your phone's battery lifespan to what you can expect out of your car's battery lifespan. Matt Farrell does an excellent job talking about the battery capacity and comparing them with uh, Tesla batteries and phone batteries. And basically, this just all equates to that, you know, batteries aren't 100% efficient throughout their lifespan, which is totally fine, but eventually we would need to make this better, right? So this actually kind of brings us to our next segment where we're going to look at a different sector which wants to re uh, rely on batteries much more. But like the issue mentioned previously, this might not happen. This sector is the renewable energy. So solar panels and wind turbines. As you know, like a lot of governments around the world are creating these mandates and deadlines against fossil fuels to phase out fossil fuel powered cars. And also in some countries, the energy generation for powering homes and infrastructure. Now, one of those countries is obviously the United States and President-elect Biden proposed an electricity decarbonization deadline for uh, 2035, which is quite ambitious. And given the current state of how energy is generated today, especially the dependence on fossil fuels to generate that energy, um, I don't know if, you know, 2035, it can happen with the current technology. There are also very similar models in Canada, but they focus more heavily on the electric car portion rather than energy production. And this might be due to Canada actually having more of a diverse energy production situation than the United States, in my opinion. Um, so if we look at Canada's models, most of them are trying to phase out fossil fuel cars by 2040 but uh, Quebec is actually saying 2035, which is actually more in line with California and, you know, the United States. Renewable energy, such as wind and solar, are growing really fast, and they are marvels of innovation. But the problem is they're growing fast, but they're still underdeveloped compared to the backbone of domestic power, nuclear natural gas, and coal. Thermal power nationwide in America is responsible for 80% of power generation in the country. Non-hydro renewables are roughly one-tenth of America's electric production and have only recently started seeing the market share for their steam-generating competitors. Now, if we look at Texas, 
their renewable energy penetration is much higher than the national average. Wind and solar account for nearly 25% of the state's annual electricity, and it's only growing. Like, that's obviously a good thing, but battery technology, in my opinion, is not where it needs to be to become something that people rely on day to day. Let's scoot on back north into Canada, where they have a more diversified mix of sources for their energy and uh, electricity. Now, electricity produced from renewables and nuclear sources are considered primary energy because it is captured directly from natural sources, while electricity based on fossil fuels is considered secondary energy because it is produced from primary energy commodities such as coal, natural gas, and oil. Now, all of this, like taking all of this, the most important source in Canada is actually moving water, which is generating about 59.3% of the electricity supply. And that makes Canada the second largest producer of hydroelectricity in the world, with over 378 terawatt hours in 2014. This is actually great to hear because, you know, that just means that renewables are becoming more and more common, which is really good. But that also brings us back to the original situation that um, as we rely more into renewable energies, we're going to rely heavily on battery technology because we have to store that energy somewhere. And that's going to be a huge thing like energy storage. And right now only batteries can do it. And we're going to have to increase our battery production and the technology that goes into it. So I'm going to try and wrap things up there because, you know, I could go and talk about the phones and talk about all the different types of batteries, double A's, triple A's, all of that. But I think these are more important, like renewable energy sources and, you know, generating mass production of energy and storing that energy more importantly, because that's where the biggest strain on the whole battery life cycle is going to come from, is how do we maximize efficiency while maximizing longevity? Because that's where the biggest judgment will come, because we cannot jump into a technology and rely on it so heavily where it powers our day-to-day lives without knowing that that is the best that we've done. And right now, battery technology is not the best that we've done. The technology that we've built past it, so solar panels, wind turbines, those are marvels of technology. While they're all run and all that energy is stored in technology that is years old and hasn't seen innovation in a long time. So that wraps up the third episode of the life cycle of a battery. The next episode will cover the disposal of these batteries and how that impacts the environment. Thank you for tuning in and have a great rest of your day. See ya. Thank you.